We are just blessed that you're here this morning. God bless you. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn in it or take your, your, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have there. Uh, you can get on the Wi-Fi here. We have the free Wi-Fi. Go to Psalms of 37 chapter. We're going to be going there in just a few minutes because I want to speak to you this morning on the subject. Entitled, this is going to be our, 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 the end of May and June series entitled, Resting in the Lord. Resting in the Lord. We're going to be going to Psalms, the 37th chapter, in just a few moments. We'll get there in just a few moments. Uh, I heard a story just not too long ago, and this was, uh, I thought it was kind of comical. There was, there was one Sunday morning that this little boy was in the church foyer, and he was looking up at this plaque on the wall of the foyer in the church, and on this plaque there were all, all these names, and out beside of each of the names it had like a, a cross and, and then maybe like an American flag. And uh, the little boy was standing there for quite some time just looking at it and pondering it. And the pastor saw him standing there looking. And so he walked up to the young man and he said, Well, hello, son. How are you doing? And he said, Well, hello, pastor. And, and he just continued his gaze right on this plaque. He just didn't want to break his gaze off of it. And after a while, the, the, the little boy asked the pastor, said, Pastor, what is this? And the pastor said, Well, son, that is, that's just our way of saying thank you to all the people who died in the service. And the little boy sat there for a second, and then very quiet, hushed tones, he said, Was it the 9.30 or the 10? <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. There's no one talk to you about resting in the Lord. Not resting in peace, but resting in the Lord today. Uh, several years ago, I was, this is actually probably about almost 40 years ago, I was heading home from Fresno, California, back to my, my place of birth, I guess you want to call it, or my mo- mother's house and my home there in, in Washington State. And I had, I had just finished up, I was in college, and, and I had just finished up a week of finals. Now, if you've ever been in college, you know what it is to finals week, right? I mean, you cram, you, you do everything you got to do. I mean, you got late nights, early mornings, you're studying, trying to get all the tests in, get everything done. And I had just finished up, it was Friday afternoon about 5 or 6 o'clock. I had finished all of my studies, I had finished all the tests. I went back to my dorm room and I packed everything into my car because I was getting ready to go home. It was about a 17 to 18 hour trip. And, and being young, I thought, you know what, I, I can do this. So, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm going to do it and I'm going to get it. And so I got in the car about 6 o'clock or so and I headed off going north on I-5, and I'm heading out, I'm going through California, through Oregon, I'm going to end up on the upper parts of Washington State. Well, I got about, I drove through the night into the next morning, and I was just coming up to the Snake River. Now, that's the river that, that separates Oregon and Washington, and I remember being so sleepy and so tired, and please, I'm going to tell on myself age-wise now, but this was before they had a lot of the rest areas that they have nowadays, and so I decided, you know, I'm just so tired, and I'd already done all of the stretching your forehead to keep your eyes open. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Where you stretch your forehead up, trying to keep your eyes open, you know. Or I'd, I'd already leaned forward as far as I could against the steering wheel, you know, rolled the window down, and I was, finally, I was at that point of just exhaustion. I was so tired, and I thought, I have got to just pull over and rest just a few minutes because I, I'm, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. So I pulled over, and I remember stopping in front of the, the Snake River Bridge. 
And, and I'm there on I-5 and I pulled over and I, I thought, I've just got to shut my eyes for a few minutes. So I, I turned the car off. I laid my head back against the, 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 the headrest. The next thing I remembered was I was on the north side of the bridge on, across the Snake River. I was laying in the back seat. It completely messed with my head. I didn't remember getting up. I didn't remember starting the car. I didn't remember going across the river. I didn't remember pulling over again. I didn't remember shutting the car off. I didn't remember getting into the back seat and laying down. Nothing was in my memory. I'm telling you, after it scared me so so drastically, I realized and learned a very valuable lesson that there are times that you need to stop and get some rest. Everybody say that word, rest. There are times you can make a lot of mistakes if you don't learn how to rest. I mean, really, to be honest with you, what, I want to what we need to understand is when we're tired, when we're worn out, we don't usually make good decisions. Amen? How many of you can think back to a time in your life when you were tired and you made a decision that you wished you hadn't of now? Come on, there's, there's five of us that are going to admit it in this house. How many of you will admit this? How many of you know that when we're tired, we're usually not very spiritual either? <laughs> Come on. We aren't all sundying and, and woo, glory, spirit, break out. Come on. Come on, when you're tired, it's like, I'm going to break something, but you better be not be around me because I'm, I'm worn out. You best get back. Come on, how many of you know that you're not very spiritual when you're tired? See, even Jesus knew that. The Bible says in Matthew, the 26th chapter, you don't have to turn there. But Jesus himself said, the spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. I mean, think about it with me for just a second. How many people do you know that are tired, that are stressed out and... You know, maybe near that burnout stage we talk about with people. Or they're getting more and more frazzled each and every day. Maybe, without admitting it, that might be a picture of you. That might be a picture of you. Because when you think about it, the normal aggravations of any day can be tricky to navigate. Amen? Come on, let's just be real for a little bit. Because this is what, we're, we're going to be getting into some, just some real stuff in this series. And the, the average day for any person can be tricky to navigate at times. The issue is, when you throw in the spiritual opposition of the enemy, sometimes as Christians it can feel overwhelming. How many of you will be honest and say that you have felt overwhelmed at times? You see... Let me, let me show you something about this, because the average person, I'm not talking about a Christian, I'm talking about an average non-saved person will experience times and seasons of, of possible you know, depression or, or even frustration throughout their day and throughout their life. But a Christian will experience times of not only those because we are in the flesh, but we will experience times of oppression by the enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. Now, the problem is this. As Christians, we're supposed to juggle the pressures of life, the opposition of the enemy, and we're supposed to do all of this while building the kingdom of God with a smile and happy, happy, happy. How many of you know that sometimes we ain't happy, happy, happy? Anybody in this house ever got mad, mad, mad? 
You've been in this house ever been sad, sad, sad. You weren't happy, happy, happy. You were, you were disgusted, disgusted, broke. You were, you were ready to mess someone up. Listen, this is why we need to rest. This is why we need to learn how to rest in the Lord. I told you to go to Psalms, the 37th chapter, verse number 7. We're going to take this entire series from this scripture. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. One more time, I want you to see it. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. For a moment, let me ask you what you think the word rest means. You don't have to actually respond to me, but I want you to think for a moment. What does the word rest mean to most of us? I think probably to most of us it means kicking your feet up, taking a break. It means relaxing. It means, you know... Chilling out, it means no, no work, no nothing, you know, just, just rest. And, and there is truth in that, or there's, there's, there's uh, validity in that explanation or that definition. However, the Hebrew word here, rest, is from a word which means, listen now, to be dumb, to stop, to cease, to hold your peace, to be quiet and self, to be silent, or to rest. So, Pastor, that's not what it means to rest. It doesn't mean to be dumb. Listen, say, I, some, some of you ought to be saying right now, well, I have rested a lot in my life then. I, well, I didn't say it, you did, so don't get mad at me. Don't get mad. But it needs to be dumb to hold your peace or to rest. We could probably understand it better if we took a look at the legal world when a lawyer presents their case and then they say to the judge, sir or judge, the prosecution or the defense... I said what I needed to say. Now I'm going to rest. Listen, I, I just got to take a little quick sidetrack here. For a little, I won't chase this rabbit very long. But listen, how many of you? Many of the frustrations we face in every day are a direct attack from the enemy. Amen. But how many of you also know that many of our frustrations, many of our aggravations, and many of the issues, as much or more than the enemy, are from our own mouths? Oh, hell me. See, we get, talk, we, get, we get caught talking junk about stuff we really don't know all the, all the facts about, right? How many of you have ever... Oh, come on. We, we're going to be real in the house, right? Turn to somebody and say, I know you have, so you might as well go ahead and admit it. How many of you have ever start, started talking stuff you didn't know all the facts about, and when you learned all the facts, you just kind of went, Oh, well, you know, I'll just act like I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything. We, we talk about stuff. We, we talk negatively about situations or people that really, in honesty, we ought to be keeping our mouths off of other folk. <laughs> Come on, I have heard people... Oh, help me, Jesus. This is where I get in trouble because I get too long. I've heard people criticize preachers on TV that you don't know. I'm not saying you personally, but they don't know them. But yet you heard it on the Internet. Well, if it's on the Internet, it's true, right? I mean, if it's Facebook truth, it's Facebook truth, right? I mean, if it's on the Internet, everything on the Internet is true. They don't let anything on there that's not true and not valid. That's why you can make $8,000 an hour if you sign up with it. Come on, somebody. 
Just buy my $75 book and series and you can make $8,000 an hour. Listen, if that was all true, we'd all be millionaires in the house already because some of you already bought the book, you looked at it and said, well, this is a piece of junk. And if that's true, you ain't tithing real good. Because if you make an eight thousand, if you make an eight grand an hour, baby, I won't come to your house. Let me back up and move back to this subject, okay? Here's what I understand, though: is there's so many times that our own mouths are the thing that or is the thing that's getting us into trouble. We, We we put our mouths on stuff we don't need to be putting our mouths on, and then we even cut and criticize ourselves because of past mistakes or struggles. And what happens is many times all we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for our own trouble. Let me, I shared this the other day, and I, I, I haven't shared it with a lot of people, but let me share this with you, because I, I just need to, so you can see this. Recently, I woke up from a dream. How many of you ever had a dream? I'm not talking about a spiritual one where it's, oh, shalai, shalai. No, no, no. I mean, it's just a dream. Everybody say dream. I woke up from a dream, and in my dream, I remembered, I woke up, and I remembered being very critical of myself, saying, well, you can't, you won't. It's true what they say about you. You never have it. You never will. Never, da, 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 da. And I remember saying these things in my dream, and I woke up. And all of a sudden, inside of me, I started remembering this, and I went, oh, my Lord, I thought I prayed about all that stuff. I gave that to Jesus. Well, I guess it didn't work. Oh, come on. Ain't nobody in the house that's going to be real with me now. Yeah, I ain't got nobody to help. Listen, I started listening to my, I started listening to my voice inside my head. Yeah, yeah, I have voices in my head. And I started listening to it and some of you are going, oh, Jesus help him. Yes, but just about as bad as yours. Come on, because I've listened to some of you and tried to counsel with you and I've got my own head, I've got my own mind monsters going, there's a worse than yours. Praise God, there's a worse than yours. No. So I went back to pet my little demon. You know, no, come on, come on. And so I started listening to that voice and I started feeling bad and I started feeling depressed. This is a dream. And I'm allowing my feelings to become attached to... So- oh, you ain't in the house now. You ain't going to help me. I'm allowing my feelings and my, my, my emotions to become attached to a dream where something was said that I said that I prayed about. I thought I had it victory. You know, I was victorious and everything. But it came back and all of a sudden I started just destroying myself. Well, you need help, preacher. I know. Jesus. <laughs> But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit stopped me and He spoke to me. He said, why are you allowing yourself to go negative? He stopped me and said, listen, you've been praying that I would root this stuff out. He said, sometimes I have to get into your psyche where you don't talk about it with everybody, but it's hidden way down underneath some of the other junk that you pile on top. He said, sometimes i got to go into the roots and begin to bring it back up to surface so we can get taken care of. And so what I did was I said, okay, Holy Ghost, then, then I'm going to get my mouth off of myself and my process. See, Proverbs 6 talks about this. It talks about it in the second verse. I'll go there in just a second, but it talks, let me set this up, because it actually is talking about the, being careful of being a co-signer for a person or a friend or a relative or whatever on a loan. But there's a spiritual truth that says in verse 2, 
You have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. Look at it in Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. Watch this in James, the third chapter. For every sort of beast and bird and every living thing on earth and in the sea has been controlled by man who is under his authority. But the tongue. Turn to someone real quick and tell them, say, you need to tame that thing. Now confess it too. Say, I need to tame mine. See, many times what we're doing is we're, we're our own worst enemies and we're setting ourselves up for frustration, for aggravation, and for the enemy to attack us using our own mouths. Listen to me, somebody, I'm, I'm talking to somebody because we're sabotaging our peace because we're not changing what we're doing and saying to line it up with what Jesus said and did. We need to take a rest. Do what, Pastor? We need to be dumb. Stop talking what our old life was. Stop talking what our old mistake was. Stop talking about what other people thought we did or didn't do. Stop thinking about what we did and what we were ashamed that we did. What we feel guilty about and all of the stuff. Well, Pastor, you, you, you need to understand. No, no, no. Uh, listen to this. I, I, I love the scripture in the Message Bible, Psalms 37. Let me read it to you. In the Message Bible, Psalms 37, verse 7 through 9 says, Quiet down before God. A nicer way would be to shut up. Be prayerful before Him, but don't bother with those who climb the ladder, who elbow their way to the top. Now, watch this. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Bridle your anger, trice your wrath, cool your pipes. Listen, I know I'm a 70s guy. I realize I'm a 70s guy, but I like that. Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. Stop worrying so much. Before long, the crooks will be bankrupt. God investors will soon own the store. Listen, we need to learn how to rest. Somebody say rest. Just push somebody that's close to and say, you need to learn how to rest. But how do we do it? Well, wonderful. That's where we're going with this whole series. We're going to use an acrostic of this entire word, rest, R-E-S-T. And I want to start this morning with that letter R, which we're going to say that it's going to start by learning how to release. Everybody say release. Listen to me. One of the most freeing things that a Christian can ever learn to do is to learn how to release. Listen, release the day, release the anger, release the aggravation, release the frustration, release the problem, release the person causing the problem. Release just, release, and let God have it. I had someone come to me this last week. They were mad at a family member. And they said, Pastor, we need you to talk to them. I said, well, number one, no. Because this is your family. I'm not getting in the middle of this fight. And I said, besides the fight, I stopped for a minute because I thought, I'm going to hurt their feelings. And I don't want to hurt their feelings because I love them. I want them at BWC. But I have to be real. And I said, the fight is stupid. 
this is, this is the only way I can lovingly say this. I'm not saying you're stupid. I said the, the fight is stupid. You're fighting about words. You're fighting about emotions. I said you're going to have to learn how to release it. Listen, this is one of the greatest things we can ever learn in our Christian experience is how to release. Everybody say it. Release. Come on, say it again. Say it. Release. Listen to me. You, you, you better understand this. There are going to be some things that are going to happen to you in this life. In this life, whether you're a Christian or not, you've got to learn how to let go of if you're going to have any peace, if you're going to have any rest, or if you're going to have any joy. You're going to have to learn how to release. There's going to be issues. There are going to be memories, maybe even people that will occupy your thoughts, maybe good and bad. And those memories are going to take you places you shouldn't go. Those issues will cause you to have feelings that you don't need to have. And sometimes the problems are going to keep you locked up for way too long. You need to learn how to release. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor, you... That's not good for you to say, but you don't understand. You don't understand what they did and what they said. Come on, I can see some of you right now. You're saying that in your head right now. And some of you have got... Listen, if you had arrows, I'd be full. So I'm telling you, let go. And some of you are going, well, you don't understand what they said. You don't understand what they did. And you know what? I'm owed some payback. You know what? That's the real issue, isn't it? That is the real issue when it comes to releasing something. I want revenge. Come on. Jesus on the main line. I want to feel vindicated. Father God in heaven above and Holy Ghost. I want some payback. Come on. Where's the shout? It's not not hard for me to tell you to release something that that doesn't make no difference to me. I ain't got a a dog in the fight, so to speak, right? No skin in the game? It's easy to release, right? Come on, you ain't going to help me this morning. Listen, where we struggle with release is when we have a personal investment, a personal involvement, or a personal feeling that's been attached. And that's when we want the other person or the thing that's causing the frustration and aggravation to us. To feel some pain. I thought this might go a little better. It's not. Listen, I don't want to say it out loud, right? I mean, I don't want to go around and say, yes, I want revenge. I don't want to say that out loud. At least not too many folks. But, you know, but it's in the back of the mind, isn't it? We have felt emotional pain, so you need to feel it too. Because I have to have it. I have to deal with the hurt. So you're going to get some too. What I need you to understand is a very simple fact. A very simple truth. A very, very simple truth. You ready? Our emotional pain doesn't go away when we inflict more pain. It only goes away when we release it. Well, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't think they can. They hurt me too bad. I understand that. Listen, how many of you have ever felt stabbed by a close friend or family or somebody? Associate? Something. Some of you may be in the house this morning and you're you're struggling because your husband left. Said he loved you and left. 
Now, his nickname is Low Down Dirty. Come on. Some of you might be sitting in this house and you remember a woman who did you wrong, that nasty Jezebel. You might remember a pastor. Oh, no, let's not go there. I get all the time. Well, you know, I love you, pastor, but I just can't trust preachers. I love Jesus, but I hate you guys. Well, that's an oxymoron. People are supposed to be working for him. You hate them, but you love him. Come on. What I want you to understand is emotional pain doesn't go away because we have the ability to inflict more pain. See, if we continue to hold on to the pain or we look for a way of revenge, all we do in our own lives is we propagate it or we help it to continue to live. And you know what? To be honest with you, we don't just continue it to live. Some way or other, we help it to grow. Because what you feed grows. How many of you have ever had a hurt that you helped grow? Let's just be honest. I have done it. I have had miracle grow on some hurts. Talk about big maters. I have big melon. I mean big... <laughs> Some of you, our visitors this morning, this place gets messed up. Yes. We're a church. We're a hospital where people get or come to get real. We, 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 we don't have a lot of... We don't have a lot of perfection in the house. And we got Pastor Pat probably in Gina's mind is the closest thing, but you know, I, you know, the rest of us are going, well, whatever, you know. This is what I'm trying to tell you is a simple thing. I'm trying to tell you something very simple. In our minds, we're putting miracle glow on our hurts, and then we're wondering why we're having troubles with them. I'm putting my mouth on my own life, cutting and criticizing my own self, and I'm thinking I'm being humble. No, you're just being silly. And what you're doing is you're propagating and growing your hurt and your instability towards God. Oh, well, this is New Ageism. You're just saying if we love ourselves, we'll be fine. No, I'm saying if you love Him. Love people because you love Him. Release people because you love Him. Release yourself because you love Him. See, you know, we want this payback. We want this thing. That's why God said in Romans 12th chapter, watch this. He said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But Pastor, you don't know how they hurt me. Yes, I do know because I have been hurt and I have hurt. We are imperfect. 
You are. I know that you dressed up. You got, you got good smelling today. You, you tried to fix everything you could. You tried to paint the barn with some new paint. You tried to make it look good and smell good. You tried to get all the stuff and stuck. I mean, it's like when people are coming to your house and you stuff the dirty dishes into the sink, you know, under the, the sink and into the dishwasher and in the oven so everything looks pristine and clean. Or you put everything in the back bedroom and then you threaten your children, don't you dare open that door. Because if you open that door, all the stink comes. See, I don't mean to be on your, on your bench, and I'm not trying to get it up in your business, but what I'm saying is there has to come a point in time that we learn how to rest, and the way that we start resting is we're going to have to start releasing. See, God doesn't want you to live with that hurt and that pain. He wants you to be free. But listen, the way to freedom is to release. So how do we release? How do we release, Pastor, in order to rest? Well, we start the process when we stop looking for payback to them, or listen to me, or ourselves. See, I just got to stop there for a minute. Somebody needs to hear me right now because by the Spirit of God, he just he stopped me for me. He said, you tell him, listen, this is not just a payback to others, but it's a payback to yourself because you were guilty. You did wrong. You said wrong. You are guilty. You were, or you, not are, you were guilty of doing something stupid. You, you, knowingly or unknowingly, you did it. And now you're trying to exact a revenge upon yourself. By being mean to yourself, by cutting yourself, by criticizing yourself, by not allowing yourself to move on. I deserve this mess. I did. I said. I was caught in stupid and now I deserve to have all of the curses that are attached. Ain't nobody in this house want to admit this right now, but listen, I'm talking to somebody right now in this house. You have kept yourself in bondage when Jesus came to give you liberty. You're going to have to learn how to release not just other people, but release yourself. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, let me do this. Let's, let's, let's take this for just a second and expand it just a bit. To, to stop stopping the process means that we need to, number one, we need to let go of what's in our hands. Everybody say, let it go. So there's a passage in the Old Testament where, where God was telling Moses before he freed the Israelites from bondage in, in Egypt. In Exodus, the fourth chapter, he said this. And the Lord said unto him, Moses, he said, what is that in thine hand? Moses said, a rod. Or we would look at it as a, a shepherd's staff. And he said, God said to Moses, cast it on the ground. And Moses cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Now, that's the first smart thing that Moses did. If I throw a stick down and it becomes a snake, I am right there with Mo. I am backing up. I don't like snakes. I don't care if you're a reptile person. Bless your heart. Don't invite me to your house to come see your pet. Because I will stand on the outside. I have been known to chase them around the yard. The little garter ones. I don't care if they're garters or, or belts. I don't care. I just don't like snakes. And to me, that's the first smart thing that Moses did when he saw it become a snake. It's a flea. 
But he goes on, he says, and, and God said to Moses, said, said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and pick it up by the tail. Now, wait, 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 wait. I'm not a snake handler. If you're looking for a Pentecostal church that is a snake handling church, you just found one that is anti. We are anti-snake handling. We are snake killing, but not snake handling. Right? If that's your venue, you like, you know, that, well, love you. <laughs> it ain't happening. Now, as long as I'm pastor. Next pastor can have all the reptiles he wants. I just ain't going to happen with me. So, yeah, you know. Well, that's just, I think it's God that says it ain't my God. He wasn't talking to me about it. Okay, so, anyway, moving on. But I have watched TV shows. And one of the things that I've noticed is they never pick the snake up from the tail. Why? Because it turned around and went, are you in this house? God had to be huge. So if I am Moses and God says, throw your, throw your stick down, I throw it down, it becomes a snake. I'm doing just what Moses does. I'm backing up. If he says, pick it up by the tail, I'm going, wait, 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 wait. I watched National Geographic the other day, Father, and I saw that you're not supposed to pick him up by the tail. You should pick him up behind the head and then you'll strike it first so you can pick it up as dead and go, there it is, God, there it is, there it is. Get a big boulder and smash it and it, he says, pick it up by the tail. I can, I can hear Fred Sanford going, it's the big one. Because yeah. I can't imagine what Moses was. I mean, he lives out there in the desert. He knows, he's, he's got to have some, had some encounters with snakes. The Bible says, he did it. Picked it up by the... So he picked it up, put forth his hand, caught it... <laughs> Pardon my mind. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, if this thing is slithering away, I'm going, hey, I tried, God. If you want me to do this, you're going to have to make it stand still. Please, in the name of Jesus. But so he reached out and he had to catch it. I'm not going after the thing. This is why, this is why God didn't tell me to go back then and lead Israel out. But it says he put forth his hand, he caught it, and it became what? It became a rod in his hand. Think for a second, though, with me. One of the most important possessions that Moses had, personally, was his shepherd's rod. I mean, that's what he uses to support himself physically. If he's, if he's tired, he can lean on it. And he, you know, if he's out in the, in, the, in the desert and he's watching his sheep, I mean, he can, he can corral the sheep with it. He can even fend off you know, predators with it. He can, he can keep it with himself. I mean, it's one of the most important things that he has in his personal possessions. But listen to me. As important as it was, Moses didn't know the potential of that stick until it was put under the power and the authority of God. Let's jump forward. Everybody say jump forward. There is no telling what many of us are holding in our hands today. The potential in this church and in the churches all around this city today. What would have happened if we were to release it out of our hands and given what we had in our hands to God. 
Just today. Watch this. What? Oh, here's where it gets, it gets a little tight, but it'll be all right. You ready? Ready? What would have happened if we would have come into this house and released all of our praise instead of... I don't like that song. Well, I don't, I don't like the person that's sitting in front of me. So, I'm not going to praise today. I, I came... It's a holiday weekend. I could be at home. I could be in bed. I could be at the, the lake. I'm here. So get over it. What if we released all of it? What if we would have come into this house and not allowed any person to have restrained us? What if we had thrown down all of our hurts when we walked in this building? And say, you know what, I, I'm just not caring. What if we would release all of the people who hurt us and walked into this sanctuary this morning with forgiveness? What could have happened if we would have thrown down our fears about tomorrow and just entered into His presence instead of standing mute with worry and dread about all that could take place? Listen, Moses had a stick But what's in your hand today? What are you still holding on to? See, let me me just tell you very quickly, very, very quickly, listen. The problem is, if you can answer that question of what's in your hand, then the location of the what is the problem. It's still in your hand. And as long as that what remains where it is, that what will never change. And you're never going to fully have rest in the Lord. See, the stick in Moses' hand would have just remained a stick, a dried up dead stick, unless he had released it. And the hurt in your life it's just going to remain a hurt in your life. That shame in your past will remain in your mind and you will keep giving it life with your mouth. I know I'm not being funny right now, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you someplace. I'm trying to take you someplace because we are worrying ourselves. We're working ourselves and we're doing everything we can to make that what turn into something for God. God, I have a stick. Please use it. He's going to let it go. Throw it down. I'm going, no, I need payback for my stick. I'm trying to make something for you, Father. He says, okay, throw it down. See, what I'm here to declare to you today is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is telling you to release You need rest. You've got to stop looking for payback and and let go of what you've been holding on to because, listen to me very close, and I I, I promise you I'm, I'm coming towards a close. Because it's only when we let go is when we receive. It's only when Moses let it go that it became an anointed. See, because after that, that is the stick 
that Moses stretched out across a sea and it parts and they walk through over a million people on dry land. Then he raises it back and the sea engulfs their enemies. Man, I wish I had a stick like that. You do. You have a spirit inside of you. The problem is, if you can tell me the, where the what is in your life that's holding you back, then the location of the what is still the problem. You're holding on. It's only when we let go is when we receive. There's a, there's a young man in the Bible, in the New Testament, that had so much potential if he would just have learned to, re- to release. The Bible says in Matthew, the 19th chapter, let me, let me read this to you. As a young man, he has potential. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, or mature, and, and, and grown, and ready, he said, Go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But the young man heard that saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Listen to me. Jesus, it wasn't that Jesus had to have that young man's possessions. Any more than God had to have Moses' stick. The issue was that what they had in their, ha- in their hands had the potential to become something great for God. Listen. Or something that would imprison them in yesterday. I hope you didn't miss that. Because both of those men had something great that had the ability to either release and become something powerful for God or something that would imprison them in yesterday. Listen to me. I've got to speak to somebody. I'll just speak as clear as I can to somebody. You listen to me. Where you've been, what you've been through can either be a pulpit or a prison. It can either be a pulpit or prison. The choice is yours to either hold on to it or to release it and let God have it. Maybe God's telling you to release something to Him and you haven't done it yet. You, listen to me. If you keep holding on to it, it will turn around and become something that the enemy will always use against you later. The Bible says here that the rich young ruler held on to his what? And it doesn't ever say that he ever turned around and gave it. Listen, I'm not here to give you a bad report today because I believe it's time for us to release so we can have some rest for the journey. What I'm here to tell you is you can't carry everything you've been carrying into your tomorrow that God wants. You can't continue to carry the burdens of yesterday and embrace today. Oh, you didn't hear me. You can't continue to carry the burdens of yesterday and be able to embrace your today. You need to release. You need some rest, sir. You need some rest, madam. Listen, I I believe with all my heart on this this Memorial Day weekend, 
God sent me to tell someone that that stick, that rod of Moses, became an instrument for God's glory. And that thing, or that what, that you've been holding on to, when you release it, He said, you tell them, I can use that as an instrument that will bring glory and honor to my kingdom. But they have to learn how to release. The Bible says it this way in Luke, the sixth chapter. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But listen, there's a, there's a prelate right there that has to be accomplished. Give. I'm going to ask a very simple thing this morning. What's in your hand? Because if you can tell me what's in your hand, then what I can tell you is that's your problem. The location of your what is the problem. It's still in your possession. See, this scripture, I know we use it for finances, we use it for so many things, and it's actually, it's actually written in, in, in the context of forgiveness. If you read that entire chapter, it's actually talking about forgiving someone and letting them go from the sin of the, that they may have committed against you. Wait a minute, I need some payback. No. You need to release. But you don't understand. Yes, I do. But I understand the release is not for them. The release is for you. Listen to me. Somebody in this house today, you, listen to your pastor. The greatest love that I can give... You deserve to be free. You deserve to be free. But the way to freedom is learning how to release. The way to rest, are is release.